Welcome guys back to another episode of the Health Mastery Show. I'm your host Adam MacDonald and today's episode is a little bit different. I have on with me Mike Matthews from Legion Athletics. He is also a business owner. He puts out a lot of great content himself with regards to health and fitness from his own podcast, the Muscle for Life podcast. And today's conversation we talk all about his recommendations on books and how he strategizes and picks and learns from books that he reads it was based off a podcast that i listened to him or listened to a podcast of his a couple months ago and this podcast in fact was recorded way back in last year sometime around september perhaps even earlier than that and initially when i started this podcast the idea was to take the principles of natural bodybuilding and apply them to your life and you know as bodybuilders or if you're somebody who likes you know, bodybuilding recreationally, you know, that regiment and improvement is something that is important to you. And I really like the structure that Mike took or takes when he tries to learn new content, whether that be from books or podcasts or whatever it may be. And I personally really, really enjoyed having this conversation. And I'm not going to lie, I use this podcast platform as a way to talk to people like Mike who owns a multi-dollar, multi-million dollar business to learn myself. And um, I'm not going to lie about that because you know, that's one of the great things about having your own podcast. And you're able to talk to people like Mike and then you're able to have conversations that you like. So hopefully you guys enjoy this podcast as well. I've definitely taken some of the recommendations that he mentioned. Um, I ended up getting a Kindle afterwards and I do the the, the whisper sync um, method or or function that Mike talks about in this podcast, and I've read many of the books. And I find personally that when I do read a lot, it's when I'm feeling my best mentally. And I think it's important to identify your diversity or ident or diversify your identity, should I say? So it's something I've heard Tim Ferriss, who's a who's a very um, well known podcaster, talk about before, is that you either I'd, you identify or you diversify your identity and much like you would diversify uh, an investment portfolio so that if something fails then at least you have others that are either going to uh, hold you up or else improve and I think that's the same for life as well I really like that that quote from Tim Ferriss and I really like reading and learning as well so I know that I can't get to the gym because of this whole pandemic thing I do have some setup at home not ideal but I'm sure that's the same for everybody else but I can kind of take it or leave it or at least I'm making the most out of this situation so I'm doubling down on my reading I'm learning a lot more and I'm seeing this as a as a blessing in disguise as difficult as it may seem so again hope you enjoy this podcast and if you do want to ask any questions with to myself or to Mike you can always find our contact details or social media handles down in the show notes. So, without further ado, let's get into this podcast with Mike. So, Mike, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me today. I know it's been kind of a little bit difficult for us to to match schedules, but I really appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. So, you're a best-selling author. You own a coaching business. and Is that your main kind of uh, thing that you're doing right now? 
No. So the coaching is really just a part of the, it's a small part of the, the bigger business, which is supplements, sports nutrition. So the company is Legion Athletics and it is a supplement company. It's a sports nutrition company. And the coaching was really a separate thing that was attached to a popular website that I had called Muscle for Life. And I, I, let's see, it was probably two months ago, merged Muscle for Life into Legion, which I should have done a long time ago. I was basically juggling two, two blogs. I had a blog at Muscle for Life, which last year, summer, before the Google Medic update, it peaked at about 1.8 million visits a month. And then I had uh, another blog over at Legion that peaked at about 2 million visits a month. And so I, it became like a bit of a strategic a question as to like what exactly is Muscle for Life doing because it, it gets a lot of traffic and people know about it but it really is just a glorified blog and yeah we have this coaching service and it does quite well for a coaching service but it's still uh, I mean it, it'll it'll do probably close to a million dollars in revenue this year which is cool but Legion will do close to 20 million dollars in revenue so even from that perspective is like why does muscle for life exist and then after the google medic update after the first one rolled out it became clear that it was going to be a lot it was going to require a lot more to continue remaining competitive in health and fitness seo so that's when i was like we just need to roll these things together so we can focus on one property legion can benefit from all the i had hundreds of articles that i had written at muscle for life and Legion can just benefit from all that, all the link juice, so to speak. And then it'll, it can also just take over the coaching. And really nothing changed. Uh, the branding of the coaching changed, but otherwise nothing changed. So those uh, that's, that's that side of what I'm doing. And then there's the publishing side because I've self-published my books. Um, I've, I've turned down, uh, name a publisher, I've turned them down because um, I will end up doing a traditional book deal 100%, but not yet. Um, it, I have, the deals that I've gotten offered were, were very generous deals, but the opportunity cost is just too high for me to want to jump on it and do what it would really take. To, 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 I'd have to drop a lot to like do what Simon & Schuster wanted me to do, essentially, and I'm not ready to do that. So um, I, I continue to self-publish and um, push book sales in a number of different ways. I mean, it's not just me. Obviously, I have a team of people, but um, yeah. I didn't realize your business was uh, such a high turnover revenue. So I guess you probably consider yourself more of a, a businessman now than a kind of a, a fitness um, person. I don't want to say influencer, but you know, one of those, a fitness icon, I suppose. Because that's where I, I originally found you was from your your podcast um it's a great podcast muscle for life and um i suppose that that's kind of how i got you on today I, I was listening to one specific show which was a couple of months ago i don't know the specific name of it but and this probably ties into the fact that you're a businessman now that you're not now but you know you're a pretty prolific businessman and you want to optimize all areas of your life is that you had this episode where you specifically talked or used this process of how you read books and i know my podcast the health mastery show is or it has been so far more about health and fitness and specifically kind of around natural bodybuilding but that's just kind of one area of my life i love to read i've got this huge bookcase behind me with i would say a couple hundred books at this stage we've collected over the the last few years and when i listen to your podcast around your process and your workflow around 
how you read books or not just read them to kind of say you read them when I, I often see people say oh, i'm going to read 50 books this year i actually saw yesterday someone saying they're going to read 100 and something books this year i was just thinking that's such mental masturbation if you're reading books for the enjoyment of them let's say you're reading um you know fiction you know you want to enjoy that but if you're trying to read non-fiction books at an alarming rate where it's two books a week or even one book a week how are you actually you know act, taking in that information and then more importantly applying that information so would you please talk me through your your philosophy or your method for how you read books and how you main you know maintain that information yeah yeah um I, you know to that point uh, in terms of reading a book a week or two books a week i totally agree in that for me it's not as much about the quantity as the quality and it's also about the habit of spending time reading every day so if i'm putting in my 60-ish minutes a day of reading which is normal for me i'm happy and some books it goes slower than others and that's okay i mean sometimes i get a little bit annoyed because i get a little bit antsy wanting to move on because always i have so many books that i would like to read and i'm gonna die with a long to be read list and that's just the way it is um but uh, again i'm not just reading to try to churn through pages and say that i that i read a bunch of books and i've been as high as about 50 ish books in a year and the reason why i was able to do that is i was probably putting a bit more time into reading and then i was also listening to audiobooks while i was like well, I had downtime. So if I was walking my dogs or preparing food or even driving, I would be listening to the audiobook of the book that I'm reading. And I was able to knock out probably an extra 30 or 40 pages a day just doing that. But I eventually stopped doing that because I found that so I, basically if I was doing that, what I had to do is I had to buy the audiobook and the Kindle book. And then if they were if they had WhisperSync enabled, then at least the Kindle would keep would keep up with the audiobook but if not then fine whatever i'd be listening to the audiobook and if there was something that i liked if i wanted to make a highlight or a note or i wanted to think about it uh for for a second you know pause the audiobook think about it flip back over to the kindle make the note make the highlight go back to the audiobook if i was driving i would have to pause it and just wait until i'm at a red light and I don't drive that much, so it wasn't that big of a deal. But um, it was it was inefficient, but that's okay because it, I was still getting through more content. Uh, but I I just found that I retain information better if I read it, and I enjoy reading more than listening to audiobooks. And so now at that time, I'll listen to lectures or I'll listen to interviews, things that I'm not going to be taking notes and, or I might take notes in the sense of if, if I get a, an interesting thought or idea, I'll note it down. I use Google keep for that. Um, but I'm not going to be, I don't have a transcript that I'm working off of that I'm making highlights. And uh, you could argue that there's some material that's probably transcript worthy, but a lot of even, even podcasts, for example, it's not entirely necessary to take notes. Like if you listen to an episode and you have a couple good ideas and you note them down, okay, good. You, you can't, usually can't expect much more than that out of uh, an informal discussion of 30 minutes or whatever. And so, so now I spend that downtime doing that versus uh, listening to books that I would prefer to read. And so now that means that I'm not getting through as many books. Maybe it's 20 to 30 a year, but I, I, the time that I'm spending, I I feel is more productive. And it also lets me get through some additional content that I would like to get through as well. And in in the, 
in the case of interviews where I like to use that 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 medium so to speak for stuff that I'm not sure like stuff that just seems kind of interesting I'm not sure if I'd really want to read a book on it but I'd listen to an interview and see does it does it spark any any additional interest or is it kind of just a dead end um so so yeah I just wanted to first comment on that point of um it's not about the number of books for me uh, more so than like am I reading the right books and I'm am I being I would say conscientious enough to to ensure that I'm really actually learning something and giving myself a good chance to retain the information and apply the information. That's more important, and and that, that also applies to when I'm reading. I I don't read as quickly as most people. I'd say probably. Yeah, most people, because I like to use a dictionary. I like to, if I'm not sure what a word means, I stop reading and I check it out in the dictionary. And if I, I'll usually I'll have an idea and I'll be like, uh, so if I were being quizzed right now, what does this word mean? This is how I would define it. Am I right? And I'll go look in the dictionary. And uh, if if I'm wrong, then I take a minute to like, okay, so make some examples with this word using it just to try to again and 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 I also even specifically will try to make kind of vivid examples ideally something that uh, relates to my life something that has happened to me because that improves the likelihood that I'm going to remember the word and um and sometimes I'll do that for other definitions if they're interesting check out the etymology just to kind of get an idea of where the word came from so all that adds time it, on average it probably increases the amount of time that it takes me to get through a book by 50 to 100% but the the benefits I think are are well worth the added time and it is a little bit annoying when you're reading and you're wanting to get the information, and then you got to stop and get the dictionary. Well, I use I read digitally, so open up the dictionary, check it out, go through the process. But I've done that for a long, long time, and uh, the the benefits are are, are are I mean, I've actually written an article, and I may have recorded a podcast on the on it as well, just re- specifically regarding vocabulary and the benefits of, in, of enhancing your vo- vocabulary, I think extend far beyond just verbal intelligence and fluency, but actually can impact your life in much deeper and more wide-reaching ways. And um, but it, no, what what we know for a fact is I'm going to better understand what I'm reading because like if I read a a passage and let's say there are a few words that I really didn't know like it, my my definitions for those words were completely wrong and I'm going to come now to a different conclusion then especially if those words are especially important to whatever the communication is, I'm going to come to a different conclusion about what I just read versus what the author intended for me to understand. I'm not going to be duplicating exactly what they were thinking when they wrote that. And assuming the author, uh, sometimes, and this is a pet peeve of mine, uh, I'll come across authors who uh, don't have a very good command of language. And and then it gets a little bit murky. It was like, well, eh, that's not the right word, dude. Like that's not, that doesn't mean what you think it means, but I think I know what you're trying to say. Um, so I really have an appreciation of people who have very robust and very accurate vocabularies. And uh, so if nothing else, I'm going to immediately understand better what I just read. And that also is going to increase the likelihood that I remember what I've read because 
and this is like simple, you know, memory science 101 is you want to, you're going to remember stuff better that you understand, like on a conceptual level that you can explain back to someone. That's like a little uh, common trick that people like to use to enhance memory of something they've read where they read it and then they go that they, okay, you've just read a chapter. Now explain what you just read, Uh, write it down if you need to or whatever. And, um, so by, uh, by, making sure that I uh, have a good understanding of what I'm reading and I'm not trying to just memorize words. I mean, that'd be the worst way to try to remember what you're reading, but to really grasp like on a conceptual level, whatever is being communicated, that absolutely increases the likelihood that I'm going to remember what I've read, which is one important outcome that we want, obviously, um, although we can get into this, I, I also extract all my takeaways and I make it easy because no matter how, unless we have like eidetic memory, um, no matter how hard we work on on making sure we understand something and, and really read actively and not passively, as time goes on, we are going to forget a lot of what we read. We are going to forget a lot of what we what we liked. But what I've found is my little system, so to speak, has definitely served me well in that oftentimes I will get bits and pieces of like whenever, if if I'm talking about something, oftentimes I will get bits and pieces of things that I've read. Things will just come back. Like I don't, I'm not even necessarily trying to remember. I'll just be like, oh, that reminds me of in, in this book, you know, this person was talking about that. And the more that can happen, uh, the better, especially if we're talking about something that's more applied, like take business where you're trying to, let's say, come up with a strategy for a marketing strategy. And the more of that information that you can consciously recall. And then I think there's also something to be said for the subconscious changes that occur when you read, especially when they are, it's not just facts and things, but there are things that change your perspectives and change your paradigms and change your worldviews on how things work and what what your goals should be with certain activities. And that then is going to have a very big impact on it doesn't even if you then didn't touch that material for two years, um, if you have maintained that that core kind of change that came from when you first read it, it's going to positively influence your your work in that in that sphere much later. So uh, those are a lot of th- things that I that uh, <laughs> that huh. I, I I'm uh, I think are worth sharing. But I'll I'll give I'll give the uh, mic back to you, and and then you can let me know <laughs> where you want to go from there. Yeah. Well, um, I suppose what I would ask is what is your kind of thought process or what is the process from start to finish? So for example, I, I really do love to read, but at the moment I'm just so strapped for time with, with university. I just started a master's a couple of months ago and uh, pretty much all my time is read or spent reading papers and things like that. So uh, a lot of the last week or two has been microbiology. So it's not that fun, but so I, I'm listening to po- or not podcasts, uh, audiobooks. So, the one that I'm listening to at the moment is a new one from Ryan Holiday called Stillness is the Key. Right. But if you were to, let's say if you were to, with your time, so you didn't have any specific time constraints, 
that meant that you could only listen to audiobooks what way would you start and what kind of apps would you use and then what do you see the benefit would be from that because the way that you've explained it i feel that a lot of people would listen and be like well that's a lot of work um of course i'm going to increase my vocabulary if i'm looking words up but specifically with learning um what do you feel that that would give benefit to and you did touch on some of them already in terms of how they would lend you know a helping hand to things like business and marketing but where would you see the kind of trade-off there in terms of if i'm going to spend all this time and i'm going to look you know try to take notes on these things um, how would they benefit your life in other ways yeah yeah um i mean i think it's if you're not continually educating yourself uh, your life is probably going to turn out a lot worse than you would hope, period, like full stop. Um, and, of course, there uh, are some types of education that are more relevant to that statement than other others. Um, and you have to you have to you have to read, read the right stuff, of course. But but just just in general, if you make halfway good selections and you and you stay um, stay. You keep the habit and you stay diligent with it. It's just so. There's a book called Thinking in Systems that I uh, actually just recently. I, I do this monthly book club thing where I recommend once a month uh, a book that I liked, and I talk about the book and share like five key takeaways. Sometimes it's three if there's if there's not five. Sometimes it's a shorter book. Um, like what are the five things that resonated with me most, and then what are my thoughts? Like why did I like this basically? And the next one that's going to be coming out soon-ish is is called Thinking in Systems by uh, Meadows is her last name. Uh, her first name starts with a D. Anyway, and she talks about that basically everything that we think we know about the world is just a model. Every word, every language, every map, every statistic – Every database, equation, computer program, whatever, they're all models. And so are the ways that we picture the world in our head. Those are our mental models. And none of those things will ever be the real world. And often uh, our, and this is kind of just us collectively, us humans, uh, we've been good at creating models that have a pretty strong congruence with the world. And that's one of the reasons why we've been so successful is we've been able to create these abstract uh, versions of the world and then interact with those and think about how things should should work and then go do it and be like, hey, that worked out pretty well, actually. I made some good assumptions. Um, but if our models fall short of representing the world fully and accurately, then we're going to make a lot of mistakes and we're probably going to be very surprised. We're going to go into uh, situations thinking that we have it figured out and we're going to be applying oftentimes good reasoning given the information that we have. We have, let's say we have faulty information, a uh, faulty model, but, but actually good reasoning with it. And then we, we go and, and we take actions in the, in the real world and things don't work out very well. And, and again, oftentimes we're very surprised and we're just confounded and baffled. Why did that not go well? And well, uh, it's because that 
the model that we were working with in our head, the way that we thought reality is and the, the way that we thought it works is, is actually wrong. And how then, and that's, that, that happens to any of us. It doesn't matter your IQ. Uh, that gives you a little bit of an advantage, but even the, the highest IQ can only work as well, can only produce uh, as, uh, the, the, the outcomes, only can produce outcomes based on the information that it has. And so if you have bad information, which there are, there are many, many, many people that have high IQs and a lot of very bad information, especially when we get into the, the more, um, the stuff that's more qualitative and not quantitative, the stuff that you can't necessarily just measure and verify with, uh, with, with a machine and like take, take a person's values, for example, and take their personal philosophies about how they think things should and shouldn't work. And they think people should and shouldn't behave and shouldn't, shouldn't, uh, work. And so you can have a lot of bad ideas and, and, but about a high IQ and that person's going to have a lot of bad outcomes and that helps explain a lot of the bad outcomes that we see in the world it helps explain a lot of the missteps and a lot of the mistakes that people make and a lot of the um the i mean i think of the word uh mank m-a-n-q-u-e a lot of where, where people are unfulfilled so you have where you you, you you know someone we've all known that person who we thought had such potential and they just squandered it they just made a lot of dumb decisions and went nowhere basically well it's a good example of that if you were in their shoes operating within their worldview looking looking at the world through the lenses of their mental models you would probably be doing the exact same thing. Again, they're probably applying pretty good reasoning to really shitty models and really shitty information and are getting really shitty outcomes and don't have enough self-awareness to really see what's going on. And so reading then, I, I mean, it doesn't have to be reading per se, educating yourself. Reading is just a very effective way to do it. I prefer reading um Mostly, and we could talk about that. It might be more of a, a longer tangent, but I prefer reading. Reading's been the most effective for me because it seems like the most work goes into books, and especially good books, where you have somebody who has like decades of experience, and then they write a book, and they just condense all of their key teachings, their big lessons, down into a, a book, and so you can just kind of download a couple decades of of trial and error, um, whereas it, you're not going to get as concentrated, high-quality information out of YouTube videos or podcasts. Um, so, so books have always just been a go-to for me. But uh, the point is that we have to continually educate ourselves to continually refine and improve the accuracy of our mental models of how we interact with life based on the information that we have. And right now, we all have a lot of incorrect information, and we're also missing a lot of information that could make a really big difference. And again, this is I'm not talking about just random facts so you can like win internet arguments. Uh, I'm talking about more essential um, assumptions and beliefs and attitudes and values and philosophies, the things that determine how we actually behave, which then, of course, determines the outcomes in any area of our lives. So I would say, like, the stakes are as, your, your, your 
quality of life. That's what's at stake, really. And um, one for one, the most successful people I know, and I don't just mean financially successful because that's that's one thing. It's cool to make money, but it matters also how are you making that money, for example. Like I, I have no um, – I don't I don't respect or admire people who make a lot of money dishonestly like it means nothing to me just the fact that they're making money means nothing to me because being making money when you're as a liar is really not that hard like if you can just get a good understanding of basic marketing principles and have like a little bit of a knack for it. You can make a lot of, and if you have some energy and you can work hard and you can just persist and grind, you can make a lot of money as a liar. It's really not that hard, but to do it honestly and actually provide real value uh, in that, that, that of course then is, is more admirable. But so the people that I know that are most successful in terms of making money in an honest um, net positive way where they really are giving back to society more than they're taking and who have some semblance of uh, a life outside of their work and who don't, you know, they, they've made a marriage work and marriages always have up and down, ups and downs. And especially if a lot of work is involved and that's normal, but they haven't, their, their marriage is still functioning and, and good. And they, they have good relationships with their kids and their kids turned out well as well. And um, they are generally liked by by other people and they have uh, a a true network of like warm friends these are all i mean I, I can think of a number of people and they have been one of their obsessions has always been just continually educating themselves and that's always been a go-to thing for them any area in life where they were struggling their default would be i need to i need to learn a bit more about this i need to find where i'm wrong like, you know, Ray Dalio, kind of radical honesty. I, I, I don't care to be, to just dig in and assert my rightness. I want to know what am I doing wrong and how do I fix it? That's all I care about so I can ultimately actually be right and and not uh, just be dysfunctional but insisting that I'm right. So for me, I mean, that's, that's the, that's the answer as to like, well, why should I go through the trouble to do any of this? Uh, because if you don't, your life is probably going to suck period. Yeah, if you so have, like, if you, if you have any ambitions, if you have no ambitions, then fuck it, dude, just fucking smoke weed, play video games, jerk off to porn and, and waste your life away on, on social media. You can do that. Um, but eventually you are going to realize my life sucks. So even that's not a great <laughs> choice. I mean, yeah, I mean, so he's taking kind of a, a critical analysis view on life by self-educating. So I, I think the people who actually want to be right will go and try and seek seek out opposite opinions or views to themselves rather than actually trying to just reaffirm what they already know or what they already believe, I should say. Yeah, yeah, and value when, when people, even if it's people who are close to them, friends or coworkers, come to them and say, hey... Uh, I don't think you're right on this <laughs> where the instinctive response should not be a defensive automatic assumption of like, you know, it's time to argue, but it should be curiosity. It should be really, um, what do you mean? How so? Yeah. Ex that can, explain. You know what I mean? That that can really eat up a lot of time. I know personally, because 
I used to kind of work with people or have close friends who are, are very kind of headstrong or have very uh, strong views on certain points and that they won't be challenged on and it will just break down to almost like a personal attack when you start to dig into the weeds but if you're on the opposite side of the fence you can spend a lot of time trying to prove yourself wrong in in an attempt to actually be right and you can i won't say waste a lot of time but specifically when it comes to things like training and nutrition this you know real passion of mine if if i find that i have mistaught something or don't understand something properly i can spend hours and hours online trying to find the right answer and may never find the right answer and that can get into a you know a, a massive rabbit hole and you can waste a lot of time that's almost futile um but to come back to the the topic of it's pretty cool that you the book that you just read you're able to interlink that into why books are important but how did you start the process of that did you buy the physical book did you take notes on that did you uh, make shorthand notes of it I, I know that's what you talked about in one of your your podcast that you did on your own podcast yeah yeah absolutely so i i read digitally i do really like books and so funny enough so i'll buy hard copies of books i like um, just, just to have them, <laughs> but I read, I read digitally because it's just too convenient. Um, I can make notes, I can uh, make comments and it's all synced to the cloud and then I can extract all of them out, which, which I do, which we can get to at the, at the end of a book. And so, yeah, in the case of this, so I was, I read it, um, in, I read on a Kindle app on my phone and I read first thing in the morning. So that's the first thing is like if you're going to get into a habit of reading, you have to be very specific as to when you're going to do it. And if you want to keep it simple, I think the BJ Fogg tiny habits approach makes sense of like if you're not reading at all right now, start with reading five minutes a day. And you're actually not allowed to read more than five minutes a day. So you're going to pick your time. For me, it's first thing in the morning. So I wake up anywhere between probably 530 and 6 and then I go, I have an infrared sauna that I go and sit in um, just because it's nice and there are a couple health benefits to it. And I read for the first eh, probably 45 minutes or maybe 60 minutes of the day. And then I go to the gym and go to work and get started. I like to get it done first thing because oftentimes I'm getting home from the office fairly late. And then I'm helping put my son to bed. My, my wife's putting my daughter to bed. And then I'm making food for myself, eating, taking a shower, uh, and then it's usually around 9 p.m. and I go to bed at 10. So if I'm going to spend any time with my wife, if I'm ever going to get laid, then uh, I can't just sit and, and read for the for the rest of the night. And so, and then also sometimes I'm a, I'm a little bit like I actually find that just I need to wind down a little bit before I go to sleep, or chances are I'm not going to sleep well. Like I I, I I don't watch TV at night for that reason um, because if it's stimulating at all, it actually fucks with my sleep and it's 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 pretty annoying. And so um, usually by the time everything is done, it's kind of just like okay, let's wind down, spend some time with my wife, and and actually get a little bit sleepy so I can sleep well. And uh, I do I do read sometimes at night, but I have found that to even be an issue depending on what it is. And so anyways, it's pick the time and you can start real simple. And I think that is a good approach. And, and don't even let yourself uh, do more than that. Like BJ Fogg talks about um, flossing, like the habit of flossing. Start with flossing one tooth. And you're actually not allowed to floss more than one tooth. And then once once it becomes so easy that you don't even have to think about it, that's that's the point when it becomes really um, instantiated or really installed as a habit that you know is going to happen. Like there's no way you're not going to floss your one tooth 
tonight, then that's when you know, cool, now it's time to up it to two. And same thing with reading. So once you are waking, let's say you're, you like the idea of waking up a bit early and getting it done first. I mean, if it's only five minutes, you don't have to, you don't have to do that much. But let's say that's what it's going to be. You're going to wake up, and for the first five minutes, you're going to read, and then you're going to get going with your day. Do that until it is automatic. You don't have to think about it. There's no question that you're going to do it or not. You have like an unbroken chain of, you know, maybe a week or whatever, and then, and then make it 10 minutes and do that until it's 10 minutes is just easy and automatic. And then 15 and then, and and so on until you're, until you're where you want to be. And if you are, uh, if that, if you don't need the baby steps, if you could start with maybe, maybe your version of baby steps might be 15 minutes. Like that's easy. Uh, committing to 60 minutes right out the gates, eh, maybe not so much. 15 minutes, sure, no problem. Again, same idea. If you can go from 15 to 30 to 45 to 60, do that. But um, so that's the first thing is making sure that you have uh, it really, it, it's just a matter of priorities, right? I mean, um, one of the reasons why I'm able to get a fair amount of reading done is I'm not up watching TV. I am in bed by 10 o'clock, which makes sure that I can get enough sleep to do everything that I need to do. And I'm not, I'm not skimping on sleep to then like, Oh, well, I'll, you know, I'll go to bed at like 12 and I'll get up at six and then I'll sleep more on the weekends, which I can't do anyway, cause I have kids. But, uh, that for me, I never, I never, I never did that just because it's not, um, it's, it, it just, it, it can work in the short term, but eventually sleep, uh, inadequacy, insufficiency, it, it catches up with you. So I, I think it's, um, much smarter to just make sure you get enough sleep. And then as far as, um, the format again, so I'm, so I'm, I'm 100% ebook these days. And I, I, I spoke about audiobooks and why I have moved away from them and, I, again, I just, I just like it. I like it a lot more. And then there's a matter of choosing books to read. I often get asked for book recommendations because I do this book club thing and I'll often talk about books that I like and stuff. And so people will reach out and ask for book recommendations for one thing or another. And I do have some like basic recommendations that I make. I I often get asked about marketing, um, business, I mean, outside of fitness, marketing, business, and just kind of like life and philosophy and just being smarter and being better, right? Self-help, I guess, actually a good way to just to, to, to summarize that. And so the, what I do is I, I have a, like a genre rotation that I use. And I normally, I have a morning reading session and an afternoon reading session. Although the last couple months I have chosen not to do the afternoon reading session because I've had a shitload of work and I've been traveling and like in constantly behind on the work things that I want to get done. And so honestly, I haven't really wanted to take the time away from it um, to, 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 get that extra 45, 60 minutes of reading in every day, but I will be putting it back in soon, probably in the next, by the end of the month, I should be fully caught up and back on my normal schedule of producing all the things that I want to produce, uh, which is mostly content related things. But I've also had a couple bigger projects, Legion related projects that are one-off things that just took a fucking lot of work that are almost done. And so what I do is I read, I have a, in my morning is my kind of like my personal reading and that rotation is like a a biography or a history book and then a be smarter slash better book or two 
and then fiction, literature, or poetry, and then just financial or miscellaneous. And so what I'll do is I'll read one or two books on each uh, on, on a topic and the rotation, and then I'll move on to the next. So currently I'm reading uh, a poetry. I'm reading a book uh, called Good Poems by Keylor is the last name, K-E-I-Kylor, K-E-I-L-L-O-R. And um, so that'll be, and before that, I have to look on my list. What did I read before that? I'm actually not sure. I, I keep a list for everything I read. Um, I think, oh, it was, uh, oh, shit, no, don't remember. It, I, it was a Be Smarter slash Better book, So for uh, which I read two of. And so this fiction, literature, and poetry rotation, this poetry book's like 500 pages. So I think I'm going to just do one and then move on to the next, which will be a financial or just miscellaneous book, probably be financial. There are a couple other financial books I actually want to get through. Um, and and then in my afternoon rotation of reading, which again, I haven't been doing in the last, eh, at least for the last four to six weeks, but normally I do, uh, are more work-related things. And so, so for that rotation, it's art, creativity, or writing, because I still do a lot of writing. And it's really kind of the pillar of my my brand is is the content I produce, and that all starts with researching and writing, and then a marketing or persuasion book because you can never know much, never know enough about marketing. You can never be good enough at marketing or persuasion, and, and then a business or work. Uh, so it's like how to be better in business, or I actually probably edit that one. Actually, it should be business leadership or work. But it's like those those types of books. The next one I'm going to read. I already have it picked. Is going to be extreme ownership. Um, which I've heard a lot of good things about. I'm not impressed with with Jocko Willink's content in general. Like his Discipline Equals Freedom book, um, I couldn't. I was like, how do how is this guy even a thing? How is this this is this is like like sophomoric? This is something I'd expect from like a middle schooler. Um, but uh, apparently that book is is really good, so I'm going to read it. And uh, and then I, and then a health diet or fitness book is the last in the rotation and the same thing I'll read one or two books in each rotation, and just move through it. And uh, I also before I read a book, if there's a book summary available on like Blinkist or InstaRead or Get Abstract, I always read that first because if I don't like the book summary, I'm not going to like the book. If I'm not making any highlights or if I don't have any maybe not aha moments, but ooh that's interesting moments in the summary. I'm not going to like the book, period. So I, I've saved myself quite a bit of time by just doing that, where spend 15 minutes and read the book summary first. And then if I like the book summary, oftentimes I do find there is a lot more to be had by reading the book. You only can, especially if a book is has a lot of good information in it, like these book summaries are short. They're only going to be able to give you so much. And uh, I also prefer older books to newer ones. And I prefer fundamentals and first principles to complexities or later embroiderments on those things. And that's especially true when I'm new to something or I'm just kind of looking for practical information. And um, the reasons for that is that if you have a deep understanding of the fundamentals involved in something, that is far superior to kind of understanding more complex ideas and furthermore if you don't really understand the basics you're never really going to get the rest and oftentimes 
This definitely applies to, to health and fitness, especially when we look at it in the context of what's our goal. If we're talking about something that's practical, oftentimes, uh, out of all the stuff that you could learn, it's the old 80-20 thing. 20% of what is out there is going to produce like 80% of the results. And unless you are trying to become truly outstanding in something, you're not going to need more than that 20%. If we put that in terms of fitness, like take a dude who starts out lifting. Most guys, at least most of the people I work with, gen fit uh, crowd, most guys, they just want to gain maybe 30-ish pounds of muscle, maybe a little bit more, and have a body fat percentage around 10%, and that's it. Like that, That's the ultimate physique to them. And to do that, you don't need to know anything that would be considered sophisticated or advanced. All you actually need to know is everything that's in my book, Bigger, Leaner, Stronger. That's why I wrote it. It was really for that. Like, if you're that person, if you want to just, if you're looking to gain 30 to 35 pounds of muscle and and have a have abs and, and do that without having to spend a ton of time in the gym and do that eating foods you like, this is all you need to know. Literally, you could read this book and never learn another thing related to fitness and you'll be happy for the rest of your life now if there's someone like you and they they were trying to squeeze every last ounce of muscle and strength gain out of their genetics then no of course you need to you need to learn a bit more but many people uh, don't they just make the mistake of when they get into something new they don't consciously go seek out those fundamentals and you'll often find those fundamentals in older books, because if those books are still in currency, they've often stood the test of time for a reason. Like if, especially if they've gone through multiple editions and many print runs, they often deliver the goods. Maybe it doesn't, they don't deliver everything in one book, but if a book has been able to withstand the scrutiny of decades or even centuries or even millennia in some cases and still earn new readers each and every day and still get people talking about them, there's probably a good reason for that. You know, there's even a, it's, it's, it's called the Lindy effect that, um, basically when it went in, in applied to, to books, it's just a theory that the life expect, expectancy of some like non-perishable thing, like, like technology or ideas is proportional to its current age. And so then the, every, every further year that that idea remains in circulation and remains alive, the chances of it surviving another year go up. And so as far as books, books go, it's really like the, uh, the longer the books have been around, the longer their life lifespans will likely be. And so that's why I often, I expect to get more from a book that was written 30, 50 or a hundred years ago. That's still around and still popular. Now, of course, if it, if it's, if it's, if it, it was published a hundred years ago and it was one, one printing and nobody cared and it, and it, and it, 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 nobody ever and it just sits in a you have a copy you can find a, a copy in like your used bookstore or something no that's different but a book that was written 100 years ago that people are still reading and recommending yes that is almost certainly going to be a better use of your time if you're new to something and you're needing to get to the fundamentals than reading something that is is more um that that is is more contemporary and uh, so that's what I'll often do. I'll start by reading the classics on a subject. And those are very easy to find. Those are, you just do a little bit of Googling. You can find the classics on anything. You find plenty of lists. And you're looking for the people who really made the original discoveries, the original breakthroughs. And then 
I'll move on to, if I'm going to be reading deeper in that subject, I'll move on to more modern stuff. And oftentimes, though, I'll find more modern uh, works like really don't add much to the to the to the seminal classics where I will not recommend a lot of the more, especially when it comes to, again, the more practical things like marketing is a good example. I've read a lot of marketing books. I'm just like, whatever. I've read a lot of work books that I'm that I just straight up didn't like. Uh, I've read a lot of business books that I didn't like because again i'm like eh, these these uh, if we're talking about marketing uh, like if you if you haven't read um, scientific advertising uh, tested advertising methods breakthrough advertising the robert collier letter book influence how to write a good advertisement and the ultimate sales letter but you are uh, maybe i would add persuasion to that but but and and you are you haven't read any of those and you're 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 reading uh, books about internet marketing or email marketing or just marketing books from from our current uh, whoever whoever is uh, big on on social media these days uh, and and touting themselves as a, as a guru you are doing it wrong because if you just read those books that I. Um, that, that I shared and understood them and took time to really get the information and then start applying them, you may not become a, that may not be enough to become like a world-class marketer. That comes with a lot of experience as well, but you will have the, everything you need to make good money as a marketer. You will never struggle to make money. And uh, the same goes for, for many interests and activities. The key to being, uh, to achieving competence isn't the quantity of information you consume, but the quality and how well you get it and what you can do with it. Yeah, I think that's really important, especially in this kind of internet age where you just have so information, so much information, it's hard to even distinguish or decipher what is good information or bad information. But like you said, th- those things that stand the test of time. And I think it's, kind of ideas or subject or knowledge areas that are based on principles like business and marketing are are things that you can rely on older uh, or original kind of ideas but maybe more scientific things like perhaps nutrition you know as we because science is evolving and and we get new research and it's based on hard facts and quantitative measures that perhaps newer information there is often maybe a little bit better not not yeah, meaning yeah that's that a good that's to... a that's a good caveat I, I i could definitely i would say in some cases science has, has just simply demonstrated what i mean you can find if we're talking about training nutrition you can find quite a bit of good information in in older books um but but yeah i think that's a that's a, a, a reasonable asterisk. And I mean, Hey, every, every, every rule has its exceptions. Right. And yeah. so I, I, to, I totally agree with that. Although there aren't like, what's an example though. Of that, tr- that's why I'm a, actually curious. I was curious when you said I read nutrition books because people often ask me, well, I can have this like Instagram highlight of books I've read. And a lot of the marketing ones said that you, you've mentioned I have, but the, with nutrition books i actually don't really recommend nutrition books that often because in order to make a book interesting it has to have cherry-picked evidence because you don't want to read a book about there's balance and here's how to eat well it's just kind of what your grandmother taught you maybe a little bit extra protein if you want to gain muscle but when you start to read 
books that have maybe cherry-picked scientific evidence for the average person who, number one, doesn't know how to read science, or number two, couldn't give a shit about reading science papers. Um, that That's kind of, well, I'm reading this science book, and it's a kind of a novel, but, you know, when you really look into it, it they're not actually scientific books at all. They're just kind of cherry-picked evidence books, so I don't really recommend them. So I'm curious to... Um, understand what kind of books you do read when you're reading nutrition books in your rotation no i i agree and i mean i'm i try to f- find books that have the best chances of, of being good and i often don't recommend the ones even the ones that are are scientifically sound are maybe not very useful like i read a book called diet cults that had some good information and but i wouldn't really recommend it because it was just kind of like who cares there's not (laughs) it it was just random especially for anyone who's halfway educated they're not going to find it very helpful they may have learned some things that uh some factoids but beyond that uh it's not going to be it's they're gonna they're gonna be like cool. What do, so what am I? I guess I'll just keep doing what I'm doing, right? Um, but there are there have been there have been books here and there. Like, uh, did you read Death by Food Pyramid? Uh, I haven't. No, by Denise Min- Minger. I've, I've been trying to get her on my podcast, but she doesn't she doesn't reply. Hmm. Um, and but the, but maybe that she was... died by the food pyramid. <laughs> as far as I know, she's still around. Um, so so there was a book called salt, sugar, fat that I liked. Again, this is because if we're talking about practicality, no, you don't need to read. Like, honestly, you could read there. I'm sure there's some other books at this point that, that do just as good of a job as mine, but I, I'm not searching them out because if I'm reading about health and, uh, diet and training yeah, you're getting more I'm, I'm not yeah, yeah i'm not going to read about i'm not going to read about energy balance and so now even coming back to what i was saying before uh where okay i have the fundamentals now and i and i have explained them many many times in many different ways and so if i'm reading it's more i'm just looking for something it's going to be a thinner slice of it's going to be a deeper dive into something specific and so salt sugar fat was interesting um, because it was about just basically food engineering and food science and how much work and money has been spent to make foods that are as highly palatable as possible. And um, so let's see, there was... Actually, I have a recommendation if you haven't read it by um, Stefan Guillenet. It's called The Hungry Brain. It's actually a very interesting book. Oh, it's about... That. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of about the... Yeah, how we overconsume foods that are highly palatable and what's involved in you know high food reward uh, foods so like different kind of mechanisms that are going on in the brain and why we select certain things and overeat certain foods so it's more kind of a behavioral science book per se with the element of nutrition in it rather than calories here's how to you know here's how to eat different foods or calorie balance equation or more sciencey stuff but uh, if you haven't read that one, I really recommend that one. Kind of gives you a better understanding of why certain populations are overweight and why certain people can't stick to a calorie deficit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'm, I have to check. It may be on my list already, but I've definitely come across it. And so, anyways, the point is, I agree. It actually is hard to find. Uh, it's hard to find fit health and fitness books that are worth finishing. Like you know, you, you can get. I'll give a book 50 pages. If by the 50th page, if I haven't made 
any highlights or if I've made very few highlights or if it's becoming clear this is not a book for me, then I have no problem stopping. At one point, I would always finish books, but that's not that's just not smart. We only have yeah. so much time that we can spend. Some cost fallacy. Yeah, exactly. And there's an opportunity cost. And mm. instead of reading something that is really just not going to not going to provide much in the way of a return or a reward we could take that time and put it into something that that is um yeah i'm sure you read lean the lean muscle diet which was yeah was good i mean uh, it's the basics but but it's a, a you know a good presentation of the basics when you highlight um like phrases or paragraphs and books do you then revisit those for like a kind of an active recall session in the future or is that just just once off thing is, is that yes. how you get a lot of your ideas so what i do is um i spend some time every week i have a, a schedule that i follow i usually i mean again because i've been traveling and i've been behind so i've been off my schedule which annoys me but usually i follow it pretty closely that where i've laid out exactly the the things that i need to get done every week that are like my routine activities and i time block everything and i have time blocks also for like other stuff basically because there are always other things that need to get done especially i have a couple businesses and everything building a business is it's kind of like everything is on fire at all times and you have to determine it's like triage you have to determine which fires really need to be put out which ones are like going to burn the whole building down and which ones are just going to be allowed to burn and if you can you know if, if something's not on fire you're like super happy about it and so uh, you didn't really to... sell me on owning a business there. <laughs> I yeah, I, I don't I don't recommend it unless you can work a lot, uh, unless you can comfortably work at least probably. Well, OK, if you want it to be a successful business, if it's like a lifestyle thing, and it's just a little side income. That's totally different. But if you want to build a real business and you're going to hire people and you're going to try to turn it into a real seven or eight or nine figure kind of concern, then you have to be very comfortable working at least 60 hours a week and working, not like at the computer with Instagram open and the TV going on, no, no, no. like really real actual work every day one thing to the next, very little breaks and doing that uh, for long periods of time. You have to also, I think, the more risk averse you are, the less I would recommend um, getting into business. You have to be a person who can take calculated risks and put a lot of money and time on the line and basically like, you know, you only can do so much due diligence and so much preparation. There's a point where you just have to uh, throw the dice and and see how it comes out. Uh, I would say you have to be financially literate. If you really don't like dealing with numbers and you're bad with money, that's another reason to not get into business. And you have to be willing to get good at marketing. You have to find a way to like selling because if you don't, your business will always struggle. And um, anyways, that's, I guess, a different conversation. But as far as highlights go, so I'll pull out, uh, I'll read a book. And then I will t have, I have in my little schedule a time block for just pulling out highlights. I usually do on the weekends, like Saturday, Sunday mornings. I'll take some time. And uh, Kindle's made this even easier now. I don't have to use their software because it's like, what's the URL? It's like notepad.kindle or whatever. It's, it's on Amazon. You can just 
click on a click on a book and see all of your highlights and so i just copy and paste them into you can't export them all because you're limited some books you can but oftentimes the limit is is pretty small in terms of how much material they'll allow you to just straight export so it's usually a copy and paste but that's fine it doesn't really add any time because what i'll do now is i'm going back through all of my highlights i'm copying and pasting them into a google doc specifically for that book and i'm rereading them and i'm weighing them and i'm like and then what I, in the end, what I have is I have my key takeaways, which are the things that I liked the most from the book. And I even then bold like the super key ones. These are the biggest uh, takeaways for me. And then I have all of my highlights with my notes as comments on the highlights. And so then what that allows me to do is very easily, one, it improves retention to some degree, of course. Um, but I can then, if I really cared, I could... Uh, even come back to them on a regular schedule. But I don't think that that wouldn't be a smart use of time because uh, unless it's, there are some books that it's worth reviewing them consistently and other ones, it's just not. Like if I wanted, let's say I needed to do a podcast on a book I read three years ago, I can just go pull up my highlight, my Google Doc and just go over it and be like, oh yeah, cool. It's all coming back. Got it. Does it, would it be worth me like loading the, my key takeaways into um, SRS flashcard system and spending time on that every day, just so I can remember random things? Not really. <laughs> Maybe if my life revolved around trying to make people think I'm interesting or something. Hmm. Um, but uh, so that's, that's what I'll do then is though I will, there are some books like marketing books and business books that I like that I will often well, let's not say often, I would say maybe every couple months, few months or so, just go back through and see because things change. And the what I how I viewed, you know, the reason why a certain takeaway resonated with me back when I read the book or when I last reviewed it, I might now have a new idea. And so that's a, it's a just a very efficient way to be able to review a book because I I don't think there are many books that are worth if you have that there aren't many books that are worth just rereading from scratch. That's not always the case, um, but it's especially the case with a lot of how-to stuff. Like if you did a good job reading it the first time and you pulled out really the, the key takeaways, which often, especially how-to nonfiction books, really oftentimes like two-thirds of those books are just filler. You could just literally cut out all the words and just get to the point because <laughs> oftentimes – a book like a chapter will have one idea really that's the idea and then it needs though a bunch of uh, preamble so what's the preamble oh it's personal stories it's it's other anecdotes it's maybe some scientific research blah 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 filler essentially to convince you that this is cool or this is interesting and then it's the idea yeah i think and, i do do a similar thing with um i don't actually take notes but because i read the physical books often but you're selling me on the idea of getting a Kindle because I do like taking notes and I've started using some more notes apps with my iPad and Mac just for simply for studying for university. But I will actually use Blinkist after I read the book. So you said you used before. If I like, I think it was last week. I was thinking about this book called Drive. It's about why why people yeah, are motivated. I know that. Yeah, yeah. And I was I was like that was a really good book, but I can't remember why it was really good. Like what are the what are the key five principles? But if you just go back to Blinkist. And then that'll cover off those things. But I'm probably going to move towards the, the idea of doing a Kindle. I don't know if I'll be able to manage it on a phone. That seems like pretty difficult for me to read Kindle. Uh, I mean, I, I have no notifications on my phone. I don't have, I really have no apps. I have no game. I have Instagram because I use it for my work. But otherwise, I don't spend any time on Instagram. So if you, 
I, I find that it could be distracting, but because I don't, I mean, I get a notification if somebody calls and if somebody texts, otherwise my phone just sits there silent. But yeah, I understand that you get, yeah, of I course, think, get a, get a, yeah. get another device. Yeah. I think that comes back to the, the idea of you being a successful a businessman. And I, I, we didn't really touch on the topics today, but you're not just the, the fat CEO. You actually have a, a pretty great physique. If, if anybody has knows who you are already, or if they want to check you out afterwards, you got a, you know, not just a, a decent physique, but a, a very admirable physique. Um, no homo. That a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people would, um, you know, look, aspire to, I guess. So I suppose it's probably a topic for a, few, a future episode because we've already gone past the, the time mark. But you, you don't just have a business, successful business, and, and a family life, and kids and stuff. But you have a really good physique. You know, almost I would say stage worthy physique. You know, if anybody's trying to visualize, because this is not on video, but like you know, a good, decent, natural looking physique. But if we're to wrap this up, I suppose I'd ask you, what five books would you recommend for somebody who, let's say, doesn't read, but they want to get into reading and they want to improve their life in just every single facet or area? What five books would you recommend that they would read that one they can actually, you know, properly read? So maybe they they're not able to read uh, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius because they're not that you know uh, literate. I won't say literate, but they're not that. They don't have. That I would. Much I would say. I would. I don't know. I would say meditations is pretty accessible. Do you think so? That because that was going to be one of my books. But anyways, go ahead. <laughs> okay, <laughs> go ahead. Well, if I I do like stoicism myself, but if I recommend people getting into stoicism, it's it's sometimes it's difficult to consume in terms of the way that they speak. It's kind it's of it's just, kind of poetic. I mean, it's not. Yeah. It, so I, I usually recommend people that they maybe read some Ryan Holiday first or some some to tell Seneca from Tim Ferriss and if they like the ideas then they move on to some things like that it's, yeah you know actual um yeah actual no, that makes sense like they start with the obstacles the way I mean I ironically I think Ryan writes better articles than books um but he does a good job he, he doesn't impress me honestly um in the way that like someone is for talking about writing skill uh Ron Chernow the biographer straight impresses me and if we're talking about impressive writing and just and how the how the just thinking like how their mind works, Will Durant, the historian, mm. actually impresses me. Uh, but but Ryan does a good job. I, I don't know him, but I respect that he's a hard worker and he cares and he's he's into it. So that's cool. And yeah, I'd say if you know you want to dip your your big toe in stoicism, read the obstacles the way and. If you like that, I, I also remember liking, I had some takeaways from Ego is the Enemy. And I don't know if I'll read his new one, maybe. I just, there are many other things that I'd probably read instead. But Yeah, I'm finding that it's just, it's good, but it feels like lots of different, just ideas just smashed together. So just, you, you, you're just kind of going all over the place, but like good excerpts. So, so like almost those. like a bunch of articles or essays just kind of. Yeah, kind, kind of like that and. That's exactly what Mark Manson does, actually, because I'm a member of his website. And if you read his book, he just hey, I've read this book already, but it's just released because yep. he just I know. smashed lots of It's funny, there. right? I mean, dude, he wrote all that stuff on his website. And then that, that subtle art of not giving a fuck sold like a motherfucker. That book is definitely over a million, million copies sold. It's probably several million copies sold. So it just goes to show that if you have, I mean, I think Tim Ferriss essentially the same thing with The 4-Hour Body, which, of course, is a pile of shit. But... Um, I, I think a lot of it was just on his blog. I, I and I'll do the same to, 
yeah, it's not worth reading. It's actual garbage. Uh, but I'll do the same thing with books of mine where I'll, I'm totally fine publishing a, a fair amount of them on, on Legion's blog because a lot of people are not going to see those articles or they're not going to, of course, get it in the context of like – uh, take periodization. I published an article on periodization just recently, and a lot of that material is going to be in. It's actually I was working on the book I'm working on, and I figured like, hey, this is a, this is I don't have a, a good long form article on periodization. Let's publish this on the blog. And I've never had anyone complain like, hey, well, why why was that periodization information on the blog too? So you can you can absolutely do that for anybody who's an aspiring writer. I think it's actually a good uh, a good way to. If, if you if you have anything of a following already and you want to write a book, turn it, turn a lot of it into into blog posts as well. You can always withhold. I'll at least hold back twenty or thirty percent of the content. Uh, but uh, even if you published literally one hundred percent of it and then published it as a book, and and took the time to to add connective tissue and and really bring it together as a cohesive, you know, it might also be in even a different order than you initially published in the blog. It's totally, it's like, I don't think that is, um, I don't think that it is. It doesn't attract from the book. Yeah. Even if you, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's, it's, it's even untaste or distasteful. You know what I mean? Um, I, I think I think it's totally fine. But anyways, to your question. All right. So so some book recommendations. I would recommend The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. I would recommend The One Thing by Keller. Gary Keller. Yeah, Keller. Um, I would recommend The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz. A little bit cheesy, but I still think I still it's good information. Um, I would recommend, again, if we're just talking about like just being better in general, I'd recommend Principles by Ray Dalio. Very dry and not – he doesn't try to entertain you at all, but he's a very smart dude and he's done a lot and he's experienced a lot. And he – a lot of his ideas I really, really agreed with. And I think there's a lot in there if you really took it to heart, it, it could really make a big difference in your life. Um, I, I really liked Flow by Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi, I think is how you pronounce it. And I, I, I don't know if I believe that flow is kind of the end-all be-all, but I think there's a lot to be said for trying to figure out how you can get and stay into a flow state more often in your life, and things will just be better that way. Um, and Meditations by Aurelius, I, I would recommend that. Again, it is a bit it's it's not it's not conversational and some some of the stuff reads a bit clunky and you do have to kind of go back and read it again and think about it for a second but there are a lot of a lot of gems in that book especially when you consider who he was of course and that's that's where a lot of the popularity comes from because you have to imagine yourself as the emperor of uh of the Roman Empire, and would you like do you, you know? Then think about that, and this, and, and think about this guy's character, considering the position he was in. He didn't, he didn't have to to be the philosopher king. He could have just been the tyrant, and it would have been one and the same. Um, as far as as far as his life, it's unlikely that he would have been deposed. So um, he. Anyway, so that's so that's one. I'll add um, the seven habits of highly effective people. Very wordy, and Covey is not a good writer to the point of it's actually annoying to read him. But a lot of great ideas in in that book should have been half the size and should have been more conversational and more enjoyable to read and less like a textbook, but still uh, a great book. 
And one other is uh, Getting Things Done by David Allen, just because and we're getting kind of into work now and business or whatever, but work is a major part of our lives. And the, the more organized and effective we can be and the more productive we can be with our time, the better. And what you'll learn in that book applies to your work and your job, but also applies to really any activity that you want to approach seriously. The more organized you can be with it, and the, and the more efficient you can be and the more output you can get for every input of your energy, um, the better. And, uh, and from there, I would say branch out. I mean, I, I really like reading history books. Um, I like reading biographies and behavioral psychology books I, I enjoy, but it's usually they're usually marketing-related books. I have read some books that were just kind of for fun, like Thinking Fast and Slow, and I liked them, but I... I only have so much time to read, and again, my focus is generally on application. Like I, I'm trying to improve my life in different ways, and so I'm often reading books that I think will will contribute, even if it's indirectly. Like that Thinking in Systems book, I really liked that uh, because that is a kind of like a it's a higher it's a it's it's funny if you i mean you look think about think about the different elements of a system in our lives we're interacting with systems every day i mean our bodies are our systems our minds are systems animals are systems uh the businesses are systems economies are systems we're surrounded by systems and the better we can understand how these systems work and they do have common denominators in terms of types of elements and types of relationships between those elements that can take infinite number of forms. And, and so you can pinpoint, for example, um, I mean, there are in, in the book, she shares different um, elements, for example. So you have uh, goals, you have, I think actually at the top, it's like uh, paradigms. And then, and then as you move down the list, you get to goals um, and you have elements of what's called self organization you have information flows you have rules I'm just, this isn't in order necessarily it's just, just things that elements in in systems like ranging from our digestive system to uh, our financial system or our you know the federal reserve system for example that those two things have a lot more in common than you might think when you're able to kind of a, a, uh, overlay this 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 idea of systems thinking on them and and those different elements work by they have the same types of functions. Um, it's just the the actual uh, material is different, of course. So the delays that are involved in your digestive system are different than the delays involved in a central banking system, but they're still delays nonetheless. And so by learning about systems and how they work, it just can impact so many different aspects of your life for the reasons that I was talking about earlier with in terms of mental models, for example, and um, systems thinking will help you with create better mental models. You also can study study mental models. The next Be Smarter Better book I'm going to read is called Super Thinking, which is just a it's a kind of a, uh, an encyclopedia of, of different mental models, which are useful ways to look at situations. And by understanding that Though these types of situations tend to behave in certain ways, you can then extrapolate and predict what is probably going to happen or most likely to happen given the current circumstances that you're faced with. Game theory is another higher order um, uh, 
topic that you can that you can learn about because for example with game theory you can extrapolate a lot there's there's there it applies to business it applies to really any arena where there's competition uh, it applies to negotiation a lot of negotiation tactics are are just based on 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 simple understandings and applications of game theory principles. And so you could read the lower level stuff and just learn the tactic. But what if you could learn the principles behind the tactics, which allow you to then maybe even come up with your own versions of tactics. Maybe you're not going to make huge breakthroughs and that's fine, but it, it is, I think um, I like to look for those high leverage points of, of information. And uh, so uh, that's why one of the reasons why I like biographies and I like history books, because when you can really learn about someone who did something very successfully that you want to do, inevitably you pick up on things that you just wouldn't pick up on otherwise. And you're not going to learn about in a kind of uh, distilled down self-help book that is also the way that self-help books have to be sold, they, they're very formulaic. I mean, you, if you read one in terms of a formula or a system they use, you've read them all. It's, it's almost to the point where it's like tiresome now. You, you can predict exactly how these books are going to open, what to expect in the first 50 pages, um, what the middle territory is going to be like, and then the ending, how they're going to try to wrap up. But if you read about... Um, uh, the 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 life of of someone who did something extraordinary you will come to your own insights also in terms of what they were doing that was working and what was not working and what is most relevant to you in your life and so um that's that's why i that's why i have a that biography history rotation in my um or genre in my in my rotation yeah, th- thanks so much. And for it can be a slog. I mean, you know, that might mean that you go. Some of these are are big books. A small one might be two or three hundred pages, but they can they could be a thousand page books. But I've I've found them not just enjoyable, but also very beneficial. Yeah, the, the key, I guess, is to really understand why you're reading the book in the first place. Is just to complete it and say you've completed it, or to actually extract the value from it. Then it doesn't really matter how long the book is in itself. But I really appreciate you sharing that. And there, I think I've got at least four or five of those books within an arm's reach of me, but there's one or two who I, that I need to read up on. And some of them I actually want to revisit. I think a good book is like an old friend. You can revisit it over and over again. But Mike, if people want to find out more information about you or want to consume some of your content or get some of your books or listen to your podcast, where's the best place that they can reach you? Uh, legionathletics.com is kind of my my online hub and then as far as social media i'm not too active but i'm most active on instagram and i can be reached there and um yeah over at legion and books you can wherever you wherever you get books online also a number of my books are in are in barnes and noble stores all over the country and um but Legion Athletics is where you'll find i probably have i probably have a thousand articles now published on the blog and I don't know, hundreds of podcast episodes and we're going to be, we're going to be doing more uh, in that regard as well. Probably start another podcast and, um, you know, we're, I'm, I, I believe wholeheartedly in the value of good content marketing. So it's something that I'm always putting, putting time into. Thanks so much again, Mike, for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So I hope you enjoyed that podcast and Mike, it was definitely something different than that we than what we talk about on this podcast 
but I personally really enjoy talking to people who are you know, business savvy and who try to uh, grow themselves, not just physically in the gym, but also in terms of their career or their life outside the gym as well. So I really enjoy talking to Mike. Um, business has always been something that's been of interest to me. I, I tried to set up multiple businesses all the way through my late teenage years and, and my early 20s and failed each time. And I did a degree, of course, in business, and that was my original, what I was studying in bachelor level, and now I'm doing nutrition, but that's what I did first, and I really just admire people who are successful in all areas of life, so if you do like this podcast, or if you found this kind of style where we where I talk to people who are perhaps in the fitness industry but um have achieved great success in other areas then please do let me know because uh, I want to uh, put out content that people like to listen to but I will get back to the regular routine of talking more specifically around fitness and health topics more specifically around bodybuilding um but if you do have any questions for myself or Mike please do reach us out um at our emails or through our handles and again as always if you did enjoy it please leave a rating and review but until next time